A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, friends. Today's podcast is sponsored by Spry Therapeutics. As a physical therapist, people ask me all the time, what is the best pillow to use for sleep? And I've tried a lot of them, and my favorite is Spry. This is a moldable pillow that helps to redistribute the pressure and reduce stress on the joints, which really helps you if you have neck or shoulder issues. So give it a try and use Lit Friend at the checkout for a discount for Spry Therapeutics. Welcome to Friday with Friends. Today, I have the lovely Nikki and James Aspie. James has been on my podcast before talking about veganism, and he joins me today with his beautiful wife, Nikki. We talk about a vegan lifestyle, how they met, how they both became vegan, and so much more. Please enjoy our conversation with these wonderful, wonderful activists in the world. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I have a returning friend, James Aspie, who is on my podcast before, and his lovely wife, Nikki, is joining today. I wanted to have them here to talk about vegan lifestyle, about being a vegan couple on social media, et cetera. So welcome, both of you. Thank you, Lara. Thanks. Nice to be here again. Uh, So I did ask people to ask questions, and one of the most asked questions is what I'll lead with, which is really, how did you all meet, and how did you come together? Like having a superpower like you two coming together, I think it's just a natural force that must have brought you together. But can you tell us a little bit more about how you met? Yes, that's my favorite start. Uh-huh. <laughs> I will start from the beginning. <laughs> so when I, I was doing my research uh, about veganism, I was already one year without eating meat. I saw James' video, Breaking His Vow of Silence on TV. And it just fascinated me how passionate he he is about the cause, about saving the animals from this hell that (laughs) exists. And it really resonated to me and it was already resonating. I was learning a lot about why we should be vegan, how the animals are treated in the industry. And then it was my dream to meet him because the way he fights for the the cause, the way he communicates with people and, and share the message and convince, convince them to go vegan made me really admire him. And then I moved to Australia, nothing related to him. I wasn't stalking him. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about going to live overseas. I'm from Brazil and I already had an experience in Europe. So I decided to go to another country and I saw an opportunity in Australia and I went and then when I was there I think he wasn't even there he was overseas and then 
I saw that he was in Sydney, but I was like, I don't know if I will meet him. <laughs> and then one day I was walking on the streets in my lunch break. I was working at a vegan restaurant in the center of Sydney. And I saw him doing the Cube of Truth. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> my idol. <laughs> And I went to talk to him and I said, thank you very much for all you do. And I admire you so much. Can I get, can I get a hug and continue from there? <laughs> okay. So from there, you know, I asked a few more questions and I was just so blown away by this beautiful woman that had just come <laughs> up and introduced herself to me. And um, I found out that she was working at this vegan restaurant. So after the Cube of Truth, I got some friends together and we went to this restaurant and we ended up... Um, Wait, so you stalked me. Yeah, so I kind of got... I, <laughs> yeah, just to balance things out. Setting the record straight here. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and um, we all hung out that night. And then um, Nikki and I started spending time together, getting to know each other. And... Yeah, I had some trips overseas at this time. So we were sort of just communicating through video messages and calls and things like that. And um, then I came back to Australia and we started spending more time and it became very clear that we had a really, like just the time we had together, every time, every second of it was just so much fun and so full of love and good vibes. And we were just having the best time together. It was so easy to spend time with each other and, you know, it was just so, so good. So much fun. And, um, and also we started to help each other in our lives, you know. And, yeah, it, it just made our connection more and more strong. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a crazy story, actually. Yeah. Because at the time I was also seeing someone else. I was in an open relationship. And um, to put it the short version of this, as can happen in an open relationship, you can meet someone else. And, you know, that's a big risk of that type of relationship dynamic. And that's what happened here. You know, it was just best for everyone to make it just two, just me and Nikki. And um, so, yeah, that's what we did. And from that moment, we started living together. We were already living kind of together because we met in January when COVID was starting. So the restrictions, I think, started in March, February, March, mm -hmm. something like that. And then I was without a job and I told James, that's why I was saying that we started to help each other. I told James that I needed to... I, I didn't have money to maintain myself in Australia. And then he invited me to stay in his parents' caravan in the driveway of his house. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's very noble, like getting her closer, but like making a step not in the direction of, of coming and living together. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. And yeah, pretty soon later we were, um, yeah, we moved in together. We had isolation together and, yeah, every moment just continued being just, you know, it was just totally different to um, anything else I think we've both ever experienced. And it was just very clear that we were just perfect 
together, mm-hmm. just meant to be together, just yeah. soulmates. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we decided to get married and soon later we were married and we had a beautiful ceremony with a few friends at a beach on the Sunshine Coast. And since then, yeah, it's mm-hmm. just now we're married and everything is even better than ever. Just painting all day together. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so your dynamic, tell me a little bit about that in terms of, I know James mentioned in the last podcast how you've really helped him be less concerned when there's people that don't agree with him or uh, or that have given him a hard time about some of the language he uses. How has James helped you besides giving you a place to live at first in terms of the dynamic at your personality? So peaceful and he doesn't stress about anything. He's never angry. He's just I'm very agitated. I'm very like, I want to talk. I want to just, uh, I'm very emotional. And he helps me to be more rational. And he, because he, he had done a lot of meditation courses. So <laughs> he knows how to deal with all the sensations in the body and this kind of thing. So it's something that he really helped me to get better, be more mature. What do you think? <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> I love that. I, yeah. And that's often what happens, I think, in, when couples really do come together and kind of like interlock is that there is such a balance in personalities. I think, you know, and I, I have that with my husband. I mean, he's much more probably like you, Nikki. And so he's like leveled me up in some of the ways where I needed to kind of get going more. And yeah, he started meditating. I think after, you know, he had seen James's, the YouTube video, he actually did a Vipassana meditation. I don't know if I ever told you about that, James. It's actually a really funny story because he went to the Vipassana and he said, you know, I'm going to dedicate this to, to the animals, just like Mm -hmm. James had done. He was so inspired by that and the not talking. So he got to the Vipassana and you probably are familiar. And it's all, I guess, about the people that are there. But there is a guy that was there. I think Mark, my husband, was there for like one and a half days meditating. And then you have to go into a room and like talk about whatever's coming up. I guess you have these opportunities. And Mark had just made a little sign saying, I'm silent for the animals. So when the guy said, tell me how you're feeling, Mark just put that up. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, no, you have to speak. And Mark's like, Mark is very much like when he commits to something, it is all in. So he just was committed to not speaking. And he actually got kicked out. Oh, my God, you're joking me. (laughs) Because he was so so dedicated to. (laughs) Isn't that so funny? (laughs) Oh, yeah. So he was he couldn't believe it. He's like, wait, I'm actually being silent for a purpose. (laughs) And so anyway, he then went and stayed um, in the area and just continued because you can follow Vipassana on online. Uh You didn't he didn't need to actually be at the place. But it was a very funny story. It was like for. All, all because of that purpose. That's too funny. I actually... Isn't that funny? I had... My <laughs> original idea with the Vow of Silence was to go to each Vipassana Center around Australia. And the reason I didn't do that is because I told them my plan that I was going to take a year-long Vow of Silence and go to each Vipassana Center. And they said, we won't allow you to come and sit if you don't... Uh, first of all, we have to speak to the teachers. And also, it might be dangerous to do a deep meditation on an extended vow of silence. Mm. So I had to change my plans. 
Interesting. Yeah. So funny. I'll have to share that with him. <laughs> yeah, good on him for sticking to it. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he's committed. Champion. So um, just like when we became vegan, it was like overnight, you know? Mm -hmm. Wow. So I'd love to talk about your journey into veganism, Nikki. You're from Brazil. And, you know, my understanding of Brazil is that it is a pretty heavy meat oriented society. Yeah. What was your shift into veganism? Beside, you had already started before you saw James's things yeah. online. Mm -hmm. Had you always loved animals and felt this connection? What was your journey into veganism? So my first animal that I felt a connection, farm animals, is pigs. I, since I'm very young, I'm passionate about pigs. I never had any contact with them. I just saw a video today of the first pigs I saw in person. It was, I think, in 2015. And, but I was like, ah, and also like the, the micro pigs that they sell as pets. And, and I was just like, I want to I wanna have a farm with pigs just because I love them. <laughs> so when I was, I think it was 2015. Yeah, 2015, I was uh, looking on the internet for cosmetics and I found out that there is cruelty-free cosmetics. And I was reading a blog post about it. And in the end of the blog post, uh, the girl posted a video of a cow being slaughtered. And then I watched and I was shocked. I was like, so this is what happens to the cows for us to eat. So if this is happening to the cows, it is happening also to the pigs, to the chickens, fish. And I thought, this is just... I can't be participating in this. This is just horrible. And then I obviously cried in the end of the video. And I was like, now I need to do something. And then I remember I went to my mom and I said, mom, I, I will stop eating meat because I was trying to get her approval or her help, you know? And I was very afraid of not being able to, to do it because in Brazil, yeah, we eat meat every day. And barbecues are crazy there. Every weekend, just like kilos and kilos of meat. You know, everyone goes and brings a lot of meat and just eat the whole day. It's, I was telling James, I was like, is it the same in Australia? He's like, no, it's not the same because in Brazil, it's like a real party <laughs> with meat. It's crazy. And then I just stopped in that day. I never ate meat again. And it was so easy for me. I didn't feel like eating it. In the barbecues, I was just explaining. So I don't eat meat anymore. It's because of the animals. And then they started, the, the questions started. So like people asking, but why? Uh, but is it healthy? Yeah, but the animals will die anyway. And for each question, I was like, this one, I don't know how to answer. So just put in my notes and then I will go to the Facebook groups or go to Google and find my answer. And then I really like to go to events with people eating meat because they will always ask me. For me, it was a pleasure to say, yeah, I'm vegan. I'm, I'm not eating meat at that, at that time. I'm not eating meat because of the animals, because I care about them. And then the more I was answering questions, the more I was learning. And then after that, I went to Europe in the same year. And there it was much easier to not eat meat every day. I was living in Italy and 
it was very easy to just socialize with people without eating meat because they were more used to it. And then I went to live with a couple that she was vegetarian and he was vegan. And then he was talking to me one day and he's like, uh, you know, that being a vegetarian is not enough. I said, really? Like at this point I was, I was eating organic eggs where I could, I was just like researching for the brand that the cow is treated good in the farms, you know, all these marketing things that they put in the, the branding of these companies. And then I, I started to do my research about how is it, how is the egg industry? How is the milk industry? You know, how the animals are treated. And then I realized that it's just, it comes from the same cruelty, same abuse. Animals are just abused and tortured and exploited. And then I found James' video. That's when I found, and then I was getting more and more educated about it. So, yeah. I was going to say that's a deep dive, and that's what people really need to do is to go down that path. Uh But I think it is really extra powerful that you, you know, I think when you come from a region, a country, I'm from North Carolina, Mm -hmm. this the South, where, yes, barbecues are so common, and that's like a party. And I remember, you know, being a young kid going and seeing the pig, like the whole pig right over the fire and the spit, you know, going in a circle and thinking, I was horrified. Of course, I had eaten plenty of pigs in my life at that point, but it was so weird to me as a child to see this animal over the fire, full animal, yeah, and people just drinking and talking around it as if like this this dead animal going around in a fire was, wasn't there. It was just so, mm-hmm. I remember feeling like, kind of sick about it. And of course I continued to eat meat after that, but that was like one of many of these experiences that felt uh, so wrong and so weird, you know, so strange to be in that situation that was a celebration, a party, a gathering of community. And there was implicit suffering that was involved in it. But I think it's powerful when you come from those areas, because I, similar to you, like I'd eaten meat every single day of my life. And when it's really the Southerners, sometimes when I talk to them, like, well, what do you eat? You know, because it's just, it is such a part of the culture. So I think having someone like you who started to ask the questions and show that it doesn't matter what your background is, what your tradition is, what the culture is, we can evolve from that. We can do better. And did you meet any resistance with your family or friends? Uh, I I heard a lot of jokes. (laughs) especially (laughs) Brazilians, they love to joke. So uh, I was just getting more and more used to just ignore the jokes and yeah, laugh with them and then be like, yeah, but do you know that the animals are treated this way? Do you know that you could eat beans and lentils and get protein instead of eating meat? You know, you don't need to put animals into suffering for you to enjoy a meal. And yeah, I think what else in my family, my parents, they were very supportive and they were like kind of scared at the same time of my health, but they saw that I was doing good. I was happy. I was enjoying my meals. And, and now uh, after many years that I've been vegan and after meeting James, they started to see how serious the commitment and the veganism is something that they should look into. 
and now they are vegans as well. <laughs> so I'm very happy. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Because mm-hmm. that doesn't always happen. Often the family is the last to to turn the yeah, <laughs> to turn the corner. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, in addition to that, are Brazilians aware of um, beyond just the health health of themselves and and obviously the cruelty, the environmental impact? I mean, Brazil is being impacted one of the most, you know, in terms of the clearing of the rainforest. Is that something that you hear about when you're in Brazil, the environmental devastation that's happening because of the raising of animals? Yeah, I heard about the devastation of Amazon. Everybody's worried about it, but everyone just blames the president and the minister of the environment, but they don't want to look into their own actions, you know? They love barbecues and carnival and parties so much that they they don't realize, I think. And also because Brazil has so much poverty and so much misinformation, you know, education there it's poor for most of people. So yeah, it's, it's hard in countries like this. And also the vegan options are not, are not plenty. They are growing, especially in the capitals. Like for example, in Sao Paulo, you can find many, many vegan options in my city as well, that is close to Sao Paulo, but more in the countryside, no one knows about it. And most of them, they, they create cattle and, and, like it, uh, working with animals is how they make money as well. So it's a huge country. It's hard to talk about Brazil because at each region is different from each other. Well, you brought up the whole thing about being poor. I mean, mm-hmm. so much of the world, um, we talk about food insecurity and many people, I think, erroneously think that you have to have money to be vegan. And it's actually the opposite. James, I'd love to know what you say to people who say, well, you know, that's, that's called, you know, white privilege. And if, you know, you can sit there and eat your fruit and your lentils and all that, but many of the people in the, in the world can't do that. And, and I think it's actually veganism is probably the answer. I, I believe it to be the answer, but I'd love to know what you say to people who think of this as like a privileged type of lifestyle. Sure. Well, yeah, I think me and Nikki can probably answer it in different ways um, because Nikki's got more experience in Brazil and knowing the people there. But what I generally say regarding this type of thing is I think it's because people don't really view a meal with lentils or beans or grains or all of these things combined. They struggle to even see that as a meal. They see that as a meal missing something. And they think that the thing that's missing is a hunk of flesh from a murdered animal. And so when we say, yes, the the cheapest foods in the supermarket are oats, rice, potatoes, beans, lentils, and all of these foods can give you all the necessary nutrients for you to live optimally healthy. People hear that and say, but they basically are hearing, but that's not, that's not food. That's not a meal. We can't live off that. You can't. That's so wrong of you to think that people should have to eat like that. And it's a shame because as we know that even the simplest, these foods in their simplest version, just cooked with some herbs and spices can be absolutely delicious and so satisfying. And I used to be the biggest meat eater. I used to love eating meat. And I used to never think this way towards beans and things like this. 
But when you realize that not only are they the healthiest foods and the cheapest foods, but also totally satisfying, perfectly healthy, and of course, the only ethical foods to eat, then you don't see any lack there. And so asking other people to do this, including people who can't afford a lot of food to spend on food every week, where it isn't us not understanding our privilege, it's just saying we already, a lot of the time, the food that we eat is the cheapest possible food you could think of. But it's not about how expensive the food is. It's about choosing the food that isn't the cause of horrific suffering and, and slaughter of innocent beings. And that will give you all the nutrients you need. And so it really isn't a privileged person thing. It is simply understanding what food is, where the nutrients are, and that these are the foods that are available to most people. Like if you have these foods available to you, and that's, that's in terms of access to the food and also ability to afford the food, then yeah, this is the choice that people should be making. And we're just encouraging people to do this, this obvious thing that would end up being cheaper for people that would make people healthier, that would do the right thing by the animals. It's, it's very clearly the optimal diet for humans to be consuming. And um, I don't think there's anything privileged about just making that clear point. Can I add? Yeah. I think when it comes to poor people, the problem is no access to potatoes, rice and other cheap foods. I think the problem is the information. For example, I follow one Instagram page from this guy in Brazil. He's very famous there, has many followers on Instagram, and he's from favelas. Uh, how can I translate favelas? Slum? Yeah, I guess slums. Kind of, yeah. You know, when people are very poor. And the problem that he tries to address is that it's the information. No one knows uh, what they are causing to the animals when they consume animal products. And they don't know how to get nutrients from plants. And yeah, it's, it all comes to how you get the information if you don't have the information in school or the TV or, you know, if you don't get access to it, it's impossible to get out of this brainwash mentality. <laughs> and I'd like to add one more thing is that even vegans, you know, we eat very healthy. We eat a whole food plant-based diet. We keep it very simple the majority of the time. And even vegans still have in their head that this isn't food. It has to be in burger form. It has to be a creamy cashew sauce pasta. It has yeah. to be all these other things. And so they're also feeding into this by saying, guys, what's that? Lentils again, mm. that doesn't look appetizing. Yeah. And they're kind of playing into this narrative that these perfectly healthy, delicious, filling, satisfying, affordable plants are, still aren't food, even though they're vegan, which is probably just because they also haven't really learned how to make this food in a delicious way. And they're used to seeing food as a burger. Or they example. didn't have many examples of people eating like this and enjoying. Mm. So that's why we should post about it. Post our, yeah, natural foods, healthy foods, and just show how amazing it is, how good it is, how tasty. So can you give an example of how you prepare lentils and like what a typical meal would be like for you that is really simple? Yeah, so today, for example, I boil water and put lentils, and then I put some garlic powder and smoked paprika and salt and just let it cook. And it's so quick. Uh, I think 15 minutes lentils are ready. And then I boil some baby potatoes 
with some rosemary leaves and salt and pepper. And I grilled some eggplant and broccoli with spices. And then just put all together and it's a delicious meal. So good. <laughs> so yummy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's good. in the morning here and that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it is. Right. I know. I think with, to James's point, I think that it is important to learn that, you you know, eating these foods really in their, in their natural form with very little, like a couple of spices, you don't even need to layer it with lots of fats and oils. It actually tastes so much better. You know, you did a boiling, you did a roasting. I mean, there's different ways of preparing all these things. And that meal probably cost, you know, a few dollars. If mm-hmm. that, you know, it's exactly. just so, it's just, I agree with you, James and, and Nikki both. I think it's the education. I think it's the understanding. We are, I think, programmed to take the path of least resistance. I mean, it's just such in our DNA, you know, what we don't know is like, we don't want to venture down that path, but we are at a a devastating point, you know, in terms of the environmental impact. I mean, I was just listening to a podcast yesterday in North America, in the Northwest, you probably, you probably have heard in Oregon, in Washington, in, in British Columbia, they were experiencing record highs, like something they've never experienced. And it's because of the greenhouse emissions. All right. Wow. I didn't know. Yeah. You know, say a typical day in the summer for Oregon might be 80, 84 degrees. And they were going up to 117 degrees. Mm-hmm. And there was, oh there were deaths because people don't have air conditioning out there. They don't need it. There's very few days of that heat. It's a, it's a rainy kind of overcast environment for the most part. And the scientists were very quick on investigating what, you know, what is the cause? Of course, they they hypothesized that it was because of climate change. And they came to that conclusion, you know, that the, the circumstances of the greenhouse emissions where this, this these peak temperatures days in a row without the greenhouse emissions, the chance of it might be one in a million, which is basically zero. Mm-hmm. And now it's one in 10. Wow. I mean, you know, so this is just, again, a glimpse at what is happening and forest fires and all that. People, unless it's happening directly to them, and even then, Mm -hmm. they're not changing their lifestyle, which is the biggest contributor. I mean, people still are, are in denial that animal agriculture is the biggest contributor to greenhouse emissions. You know, they still think it's transportation. How do you address the environmental impact of it in a way that you have found that has been convincing for people, even when they, you know, don't want to change their lifestyle? Yeah, I, th- I found it interesting that you said people aren't changing their lifestyle unless they're directly impacted or if they are directly impacted, because a lot of people are directly impacted by their lifestyle choices, even if it's not environmentally, but when it comes to their health. And still, they don't want to put the bacon down. So, yeah, there's also a big part to the lifestyle change that I think it's kind of easy to forget, you know, after being vegan for a long time. But there's a lot of thought that goes into changing your lifestyle in this way. It's not just about choosing something different at the supermarket, although in a practical way, that is almost as easy as the lifestyle is to change. But it's also about realizing you know, like Nikki was talking about how your next time at the barbecue will be with your family. And there's a lot of things that can hold people back from doing what they know is right for them. And there's a big, I think a big addictive part to eating flesh. It is salty and fatty. 
and cultural and reminds people of memories and mum's cooking and there's so and, and you know I'm saying that from Australia we're not very cultural really in Australia there's a lot of cultures that are food is far more a centerpiece of how they live and and their yeah their culture when it comes to the environmental side of things the facts are there the facts are given by the world health uh, the sorry the United Nations and um, you know there's been a great documentary on the environmental concerns regarding animal agriculture called cowspiracy the sustainability secret and the bottom line is that the best thing all of us could do individually is change our diet and it's a hard thing to argue and there's a good quote that goes around in the animal rights community you can't be an environmentalist while eating meat and one thing we should all be is an environmentalist to some degree you know we should all be trying to just take care of our home um, because we are aware that a lot of problems are happening most people don't litter, just throw trash around, you know, and most people take care of their home. So why when we hear that the, the best way to keep our home clean and tidy and healthy and safe is to just eat this particular perfectly healthy, delicious diet, people completely ignore. And yeah, it's sad. Um, it's really sad because, you know, there's like, this is just another reason that we should all band together and say, hey, this particular lifestyle choice of eating this particular diet brings huge benefits to the world and its inhabitants. As a worldwide community of human citizens, let's make this our default diet and get away from the diet built on the death of other sentient beings. Let's go to the diet of peace and kindness and uh, sustainability and good health. You know, And um, that's what vegans are simply trying to encourage every day. <laughs> Come on, people. Yeah. And I, right. And I think it needs to be done at every level, including the governmental level. I'd be curious to know if in your activism, if you have encountered governmental officials, if that's one of your goals is to meet up with higher powers uh -huh. to work with them and advise them. Yeah. I had a, um, environmental, a head of the environmental I'm not exactly sure how to describe it. The minister of, I don't know, something, something in, um, in where, <laughs> some title. Yeah. So yeah. It was actually where yeah. um, Rachel lives. What's it called there again? Oh, in Aruba. In Aruba. Exactly right. He came to my yeah. speech at, um, I think it was at the university. And um, yeah, there's been a few times, but similar type of things, a uh, similar thing happened in Hawaii. It's not a huge currently part of my activism, although I think there are, there are some great groups who are lobbying the governments, talking, talking about the subsidies that happen that the governments give to bail out dairy farmers, for example. Um, so, yeah, as you said, there's many layers to it and it's personal change, but it's also trying to affect everything up the ladder, for sure. One thing that I thought was very interesting in Seaspiracy, they, they talk about the campaign they did with plastic straws that, uh, like, most people now know that plastic straw is not good for the oceans but then when they analyzed they saw that plastic straw is nothing to the destruction of the oceans if you compare to the fishing industry which is crazy so it comes also with uh, publicity how the media is addressing these topics and how they are influencing people to to live and to make their choices 
Yeah, it is kind of funny that that rose, you know, worldwide, this whole banning of the plastic straw. And if you were pictured with a plastic straw, you'd be like crucified. And yet if you're eating a fish, it's no big deal. And and that's such a bigger contributor. I mean, I was reading yesterday, my son is doing a a talk on, on shark and the hunting of sharks. And it was, the numbers are crazy. Like, it's like, I think sharks kill 10 people a year and something like a thousand sharks are killed every hour. Oh I mean, God. it's yeah. insane, yeah. you know, uh, whether it's in the nets or for their fins. And it's just all this misunderstanding, you know, it's like sharks are bad, they kill people. And it's like, look at the statistics. And then, and yet they're such an important part of our ecosystem. I mean, there are like so many things to detangle, but I'd really like to talk about your lifestyle, because I do think that media presence and, you know, getting influencers of all kinds, celebrities, you know, everything that um, the celebrities are doing, we've talked about Joaquin Phoenix, that that has like this trickle down effect. What are your goals as influencers on social media, on any type of media? How do you want to use that platform, I know you already are, to, to get more people in the, in the circle. Yeah, so our goal is, our mission every day posting is to show how happy and good it is to be vegan, that veganism is so easy and anyone can do, and it's very healthy and we can go to the gym and work out and we can be fit, we can be strong as vegans and that nothing changed in your life. You still party, you still have fun, you still go to the beach, you still have a good time with your friends and family. All the changes is just saying no to animal products and saying more yes to plants, (laughs) (laughs) to eating beans, to eating tofu, to eating rice, potatoes, and all this good stuff, smoothie balls, burritos, and all the amazing vegan meals that exist. (laughs) Yeah, I love watching all the food that you post for sure. And I think the happiness is really important too. And and on that note, just for a moment, Nikki, I'd love to hear like when you did decide when you were living with the couple, when you did decide to go vegan, James and I were talking about it on our last um, podcast, like that feeling of making that choice is is very spiritual because it is like you're finally aligned with what your heart, your mm-hmm. core values yeah. are. Did you get that sense right away when you made that choice? Yeah, I was always very concerned about sustainability, how I can be more eco-friendly, help the environment because uh, I love this sport so much. I love nature. I want to to keep experiencing all the beautiful things that nature has. And then when I finally understand that going vegan, being vegan, you are helping the environment as well. So everything aligned to me. And also when I I mentioned before about pigs. I I had this connection with pigs. I thought they were so loving, so beautiful. And after going vegan, I was like, now I I finally can love them for real. You know, I can connect with them and and see them as people. And yeah, it was just, it made me feel so good. So uh, my consciousness and just feel awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge part of of what what is not necessarily seen but viscerally felt when people see like 
the two of you are living a beautiful life, but that life is intentional. It's compassionate. You're fueling yourselves, but you're filling yourselves not just with food, but with truly being aligned and walking the path of your values. And, and that is, you know, that is felt. So I'm curious what you two, I can just see personally, you guys like touring the world mm -hmm. as this beautiful vegan couple, educating people and encouraging them. And what are your plans for the future? What would you like to, to do with your kind of unity out in the world? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And we talk about that very often. We have a lot of different ideas. Some are in fruition right now. We've been working together, yeah, just creating content together, coming up with ideas, how to structure things well, what our goals are for social media specifically. And um, to add to what Nikki already said, we want to basically answer all the objections people already have, why they think they don't need to be vegan, shouldn't be vegan in different kinds of ways, just consistently until after a while, they, the logic is just too much for them. And they see that they can easily change literally overnight, just like you did. And um, from there, you know, they can influence others around them. Can I say? Yeah, go ahead. And also we are trying to make a living for ourselves and to sustain our life, our family <laughs> of two, <laughs> and, and also make enough money to work in more powerful strategies to help the, the movement, to help more people go vegan. So uh, helping sanctuaries, maybe having a sanctuary in the future, investing in companies that, for example, create vegan meat, because if people have access to vegan meat and it's very cheap and it's available in every supermarket, they will start to go more into eating plant-based uh, meat instead of an animal. Yeah, and I think continuing with the education, such <laughs> as speeches, perhaps speeches together, we obviously still want to do a lot more street activism. It's mm -hmm. a little bit hard right now with everything going on, but these are the kind of videos that reach a lot of people. And um, just do things that get in the media, ideally, so yeah. that we can draw more attention to the cause. So um, one thing that's happening right now as well that we've been working on is uh, like a partnership or a collaboration with a cryptocurrency called Taco Cat. Yeah, a few days ago, I was able to donate $5,000 through cryptocurrency to a sanctuary. And we'll be doing the same again next week. And if all goes to plan, we'll be doing this for at least six months every week. So that's a short-term thing that's happening right now that's really amazing. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, ideally, like, you know, I've got huge dreams. It's just, can we afford to make these things happen? Yeah. I would love to be able to put a business plan together to transition factory farms into something of green energy systems. That's just like a dream I have that I've spoke to a few people who could possibly help me make that happen, um, who know a lot about this type of transition process. And I'd love to be involved with something like that one day. And um, just, yeah, being able to, there's so many sanctuaries in need, help these sanctuaries. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just also just continue trying to grow in our presence online and out in the world so that the more people we reach, the better. Yeah. In fact, also in more videos explaining about the vegan lifestyle, like proper kind of commercials, you know, for the vegan lifestyle. One of my last videos that I show slaughterhouse footage, 
I put a commercial of burgers mixed with slaughterhouse footage clips. So then it people click to see the beautiful models uh, eating burgers, and then they end up seeing the animals suffering so much in this slaughterhouse. And yeah, just trying to find new ways for people to see the reality in the slaughterhouses and help them realize what they are doing. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes, because you have a marketing background, is that yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, that that is so impactful and effective you know, having those, um, the visuals and, and doing it in a way that's, that's really truly making the connection for people, as opposed to sometimes if they see just right away, some kind of tough footage to watch, they'll just scroll past, Mm -hmm. but then being able to make that connection, you know, it does, it'll hit somebody and, and just one person and then over and over and over. Well, it has been just a joy to see you guys together. I would love to just know one last time, like how have people been receiving you since you've been together on your social media and whatnot? Have they been very, I'm sure they've been very embracing of you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving it since the beginning. People are being so loving, so kind to me, sending a lot of supportive messages that just makes me want to keep doing what I'm doing keep spreading the message in the best way I can, being creative and bringing new ways of uh, talking about this problem and how to help people. So I'm always reading the comments, always checking what people, what are their concerns, their questions, and just trying to address in a nice way, in a way that people will enjoy to watch, enjoy to see. And yeah, uh, what else? There was something else. Well, what I, I love about say. you both is you're both, um, you're very responsive and that takes a lot of time. Yeah. A lot of time, especially, I mean, James, you have a, a big following and that takes a lot of time and energy and people need to understand, like a lot of people don't spend that kind of time responding to the questions, to the comments. That is time well spent and I know it, but that, that I know that that can kind of sometimes suck the energy. But I do encourage people that are listening to contact you both with any questions, comments, mm-hmm. um, inquiries about, yeah. you know, how how to best do this because we, it is like it's kind of fresh for people. They need a guideline. They need some um, assistance. And I know you both are so wonderful at that and and very present to the social media world. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah, we try to be, and yeah, we generally are able to. You know, a lot of people have a lot of questions that they ask us in the comments and. Every answered question gets them a step closer to living a way that's going to make them really happy and do the right thing by the animals. So yeah, it's a great way to spend some time for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you have any material like an um, ebook or anything that that is on your bio that people can click on, like just basic, easy ways to eat? That might be something you want to do. Yeah, <laughs> we we were writing ebooks uh, a while ago, but we've. We have been moving so much from country to country and trying to find a home that we can stay for more than one month. <laughs> this is the first place we're staying for three months. So we've been just dedicated to editing videos and writing captions and not working on other projects because life is hard yeah. sometimes. 
<laughs> oh, I believe it. And people should know. I mean, you're two activists. This is what you do. This is your living. And yeah. like you said, you have to provide for yourself as well. Mm-hmm. So anyone that might be critical needs to know, like, this is the lifestyle. And it is a, you know, it's a nonprofit lifestyle, but you have to feed yourself and put a roof over your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyone that can pitch in and help out, please do that. Um, I'm sure that you have some place that people can donate to. Um. Yeah, there is. People can um, go to my Patreon. It's in my bio. I think, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, the time that goes into being on social media and having a presence and having a large audience mm-hmm. and the thought that goes into, yeah, how long it takes to create a caption or a video idea or any of these things. Yeah, for example. And just one more thing. Oh, yeah. And we're also just putting forward a particular, you know, everybody is on social media. They put the photo of them at the beach, not of them like on, <laughs> on the couch you know, studying something or getting like writing something 10 times over, Yeah. you know, we curate it. And that's yeah. part of what you've got to do to get noticed and to do what's trending and therefore remain, you know, a place that people come and visit and learn something or contribute something. And it be a positive yeah, positive and useful experience. Yeah. The, what you see on our social media is just the final product. We work hard in every caption, every video we edit, every photo. (laughs) Oh, it takes an extraordinary amount of time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people who don't have that kind of following or or that messaging or that intention, you know, they can spend a lot of hours scrolling and you're spending those hours actually developing the content for people to, Mm -hmm. to see and to hopefully have some kind of change for. So, Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you both. Um, keep doing s- such good in the world. So everybody should follow James Aspie if you don't already and Nikki Aspie and then help them keep doing this work by going in and supporting them on your um, Pantheon. Is that what it's called? Oh, it's called Patreon. Pantheon. Patreon. It's called Patreon. Patreon. Yeah, the, yeah. The best Patreon. way to support us is to, you know, write supportive things in our comment section mm-hmm. and, share, and share the content that you find might be useful for your own audience. Yeah. Yes. And I I keep wanting to sign off, except that I want to say one more thing. What I really appreciate about you both, and especially James, because I think you have been doing it at the level, you know, with the um, the level of engagement for, for longer, is that you really take the attacks and keep coming back. You know, you really keep coming back with your heart and your soul. And so I really would appreciate more people coming in and giving support to you and the hard work you both are doing as opposed to criticizing because we're all doing the best we can and you guys are doing things that so many could not do, like literally wouldn't do. And it's really hard and necessary work. So I applaud you for being in that position where, of course, so many people do adore you, but you do get um, a lot of criticism as well. And you keep coming back because the animals are they're depending on you yeah. and you realize that. Yeah. So thank you Absolutely. so much. Like, James James is so passionate about it that it's all the he talks all day. Like for example, today we were, we were eating lunch in the balcony and there's there are some cows there. And he's describing to me, he's like, These cows, they look like they're having a good life here. And they are. But then imagine one day they will just someone will just put them in a, in a truck and take them to the slaughterhouse. And then he was describing the whole process because he was he has been to a slaughterhouse before. I've been so. to the slaughterhouse that those cows that we're looking at yeah. are going to go to. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing them get their heads cut off. Yeah. You know? 
And yeah. then he was describing to me. While they were like, while they were totally conscious. Yeah. While they were totally conscious, I've seen them get hung upside down and have their heads cut off. So I'm looking at these cows behind our house every day for the last three months, you know, and it's just always bittersweet. I'm like, wow, these beautiful beings, you know, they're so they're so gorgeous and they're just they're just so beautiful mm-hmm. and so gentle and just just trying to live and do their thing. You know, a baby has been born since we've been here, a calf. And um, what I was just trying to describe is they have, you know, it's not a good life. They've got rope through their nose. They're tied up all day long. They rotate around. Like it could be worse is kind of what I was saying. They, at least they're in the grass and, you know, like I'm trying to just see the positive here. But I was just trying to say, imagine that one day when after a life of this kind of fairly chill existence, they go into that place. I've seen them like, this is just so sick. So sick. So scary for them. Can oh, you imagine? Like ins- do insert dogs, like insert dogs. They're having a pretty, you know, chill life, like you said. And then all of a sudden they're taken in a truck. They don't know where they're going. It's like rough. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, we would, you know, we would be horrified. We are horrified. I mean, yeah. it is done in parts of the world, but we should be equally horrified. Oh, of course. We should, we would never send dogs to a slaughterhouse to be euthanized when their time has come. And just to follow on just a little bit from what you said earlier, I can understand, like, I'm not perfect, you know, and I don't claim to be. I'm trying my best. I've got my heart and soul into this. I have for a long time. Sometimes I get really like a feeling of desperation and a lot of pressure I put on myself. And, you know, I feel pressure from others as well. And I shouldn't necessarily take that on. But sometimes I, you know, I've, yeah, I've been through a lot over this and, um, you know, it hasn't always been my finest moments but I always have tried to do the right thing. I've always tried to, you know, do the best I can. And I can understand why some people sometimes don't understand my methods or, you know, things have been misunderstood as can happen easily over text on social media and these kind of things. But um, yeah, I will keep coming back because I just, I can't imagine myself not doing this. Like it just, you know, what happened initially after doing my vow of silence, I wasn't going to do another. I thought I'd just go back to my normal job, but I tried to become a personal trainer again and I just couldn't stop thinking about what was happening and that I knew something that was extremely important, this perspective of animals and what they deserve and what we have, what we do to them here. And I just couldn't like sit on that while counting to 10 repetitions with somebody, you know, it just was like, it was just eating away at me. I knew I could influence people to change and um, get the message for animals out there. So yeah, like I knew I wasn't, you know, a lot of times over these, I've been like, man, I feel sad that like, I wish they had so much more. There's a lot of people look up to me for this. And I just think, you know, I, I agree. Like there's been a lot of good come out of, um, you know, my consistency and some of the actions I've done and things like that. But yeah, I just, I want like, they deserve so much. They deserve so many people on their side, everybody on their, on their side. And they have such a tiny percentage of humans who are actually not only just living vegan, but also trying to get the vegan message out there and do what they can. So yeah, like I'm, yeah, I can, I'll continue coming back and trying my best and yeah, and that's about it. And we invite more people to do the same. <laughs> yeah. We wish everyone else was yeah. doing the same. Exactly. <clears throat> Instead yes, of criticize, let's post more of our vegan lifestyle. Let's talk right. about it. Let's all, let's all join together. I yeah. mean, I, we, the world needs a lot more compassion in every realm but it really does start with how we treat the ones who are at our hands, at our mercy. If we change the way we treat animals and consider them, like you've said so many times, James, you know, as their fellow beings on this planet, each individual, if we change that, I know we will change the way we look at each other, at our differences, at our 
challenges. It starts there. You know, if you can't be kind to the ones who are at the most mercy, then our problems are going to be harder to be solved. So let's let's join forces here and stop bickering, especially within the vegan community. People, vegans unite. We can have different opinions of, and approaches, but let's let's keep coming together because can you imagine if we all gathered like like you know like kind of some kind of superhero conference and mm-hmm. and pulled all of our positive energy together and all of our different approaches together we're going to need to do that so let's plan on that maybe we'll do it in bali absolutely it would be <laughs> awesome and i think it's really important to you know i there's very very few methods i disagree with even methods that totally are opposed to what I might say or do, I still think that they have their place and they'll reach a different audience and they're important. You know, I think it's important to just have an open mind and pretty much try to support anybody who you think, you know, is is doing their best and, and having some positive impact. Yeah, we're all humans and we and you never know what's going on. Like, you know, it can just be the straw that broke you, you know, that like a thousand times you've been picked at and then that one thing and then you respond but you don't, nobody knows about all the other times. And that's what happens. It can happen in daily life. You all of a sudden scream at your partner or your kids. And it wasn't that one thing. It was all the things. And it's the same. And, you know, like you've said before, it can be exhausting having to rationalize and, you know, have debate people on something that is like not really a debate. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, um, so thank you all. Thank you so much. I, I'm so grateful you're out there and I'm I'm cheering for you all the way. And everybody out there, please, again, follow their work and support them and share, share this podcast, share their pages, share their work. Thanks, Lara. And if you're not vegan, go vegan. Hell yeah. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you so Lara, much. Lara, we did your, um, thanks for sending me some of your yoga stuff, your yoga videos. We did a yeah. class recently and it was, it was awesome. great. Mm-hmm. I was feeling a lot better after. Mm-hmm. I've been feeling a lot better lately. Yeah, it's been cool. Oh, lot, good. You were, Keep it up. All your yeah. talk about like having a really solid foundation core starting from scratch. I've taken it way back to basics and it's been helping a lot. Un- wonderful. Yeah. Getting into the deep core, the root, uh-huh. you know, that's where it is at. So thank you guys so much. Lots so of love. Much. Yeah. Thanks you too, Lara. See you next time. You. And for all of you listening, thank you. And as always, I'm pulling for you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.